Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. My name is Tim Birch and today we're going to start a a new series, which I think has probably been... Uh, it's, it's been needed. It's something I think it's going to be, uh, very useful to the practitioner out there. Uh, we've started, a, a, a an even more intense dialogue with, uh, with our friends over at NGS. And, uh, my recent conversation with Juliana Blackwell was fascinating. Um, you know, you think of somebody at a high level, but when you talk to them and they're just like everyone else they started where they started and it's it's really kind of cool that thinking that oh well this is a government agency these are the you know these are the brainiacs that we can't talk to no that's not the case that uh nsps and ngs have a long relationship so today i would like to introduce uh the constituent resources manager mr galen scott uh who has been leading the uh the NGS quarterly meetings for quite a while, so at least since I've been involved. And uh, so first off, welcome, Galen. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Tim. Glad to be. Uh, so what we're going to try to set out and do is there is so much stuff going on at NGS. And uh, Galen does such a great job at, with every with every uh uh, webinar with every quarterly meeting, with every speaking opportunity to tell the practitioner and to the rest of us in uh, in the business of what's going on at NGS and what we need to do. Today, we've got him one-on-one to say, okay, Galen, what do we need to know? Give us the straight scoop on where do we need to be? So I guess first off, tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you came to this to this position at NGS. Excellent. Well, thanks, Tim. Yeah, I've been at NGS for about 17 and a half years now. Really, I can't believe that. Um, but I've, I've pretty much worked all over the agency. Um, I started off right out of graduate school, um, coming in as a presidential management fellow um, and worked directly in the front office. Uh, worked with um, the director and the deputy director for, for several years, working on strategic planning and kind of um, inventorying at the, at the very beginning, inventorying everything that came into and came out of NGS. So that really gave me a, a kind of a, a bird's eye view of what, what goes on within the agency. Um, and since then, I've done a, a number of things. I For a, a bunch of years, I ran a program that uh, with co-ops that did accurate land elevations and water levels for non-navigational purposes, things like uh, community resilience and understanding uh, communities' risks to sea level rise and such. Um, over the past couple of years, I've been the, uh, as I moved around between the branches uh, and the divisions, I have I was the Geoid 18 project manager um, for uh, for a few years there, worked with a great, uh, great team producing the uh, Geoid 18 model, uh, and now um, I'll still the, the, the team lead for the GPS on benchmarks program. 
um, which is our big crowdsourced data collection program to, to get data in for products that we create like Geoid 18 and like the transformation tool that's coming up um, and really you know, starting to get people ready for the modernized NSRS. Very good. Well, for those who haven't sat in on one of Galen's GPS on Benchmark seminars, give us a little overview about the program and what it's trying to accomplish. Excellent. Yeah, so GPS and Benchmarks is about uh, collecting the data we need now to, um, to connect the, the existing reference frames, NAD83 and NAVD88, uh, to you know, kind of building that bridge to the future frames. Uh, to the, the terrestrial reference frames that will be plate-based uh, and the, the big uh, geopotential datum, uh, NAPGD 2022. Uh, and we do that by you know, asking people to go out there and use modern GPS technology to collect data on the, the survey marks that are out there across the country, right? And in, in particular, we're focused on the vertical transformation and, and being able to collect data on leveled NAVD 88 marks. Um, and it's it's really interesting to me because what what that allows us to do with new GPS data, it allows us to compare that to the leveled data that we have, as well as our geoid model. And those three data sets together can be used to cross validate each other exactly. uh, and help us understand the quality of the, the survey measurements and the models that we have on those marks. Uh, and so it really it's kind of a QA, QC um, process where we get that new GPS data, we can look at it, uh, compare it to the old data, and then we can uh, use that, you know, use that new, that new data to create that transformation from the old frames to the new, as well as we'll be able to reprocess that new data to give people coordinates in the new frames when they come out. You know, and that's something I've, I've tried to explain to people from, at least from my perspective, going from NGVD 29 to NAVD 88 and, and all of this elevation work that's been done for, I'd say decades, it's even, it's going on centuries now that yep. all of this stuff, you know, when we go, when we go out with GPS and we say, oh, well, we went to this, this old mark and we missed it by a 10th or two tenths or whatever. And to explain to people that all of these old circuits, while they may have been run and, but, they were adjusted. They were balanced. They were what it was old technology that was basically forced to fit. And now we've got this new technology with GPS and GNSS that allows us to basically level the playing field on what's actually out there. Um, am I explaining that to people in the right way that, you know, that the, the, the historical data is great information, but there was flaws in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, what? One of the things I love about NGS is that you know we are you know part of the nation's oldest science agency, the, for the first science agency, right? We absolutely, we were founded yeah. seven by by Thomas Jefferson when Lewis and Clark came back, um, and you know talked to Jefferson about the need for accurate maps to support safe navigation, particularly for trade uh, along the coast. So we've been doing this a long time, you know, over two hundred years, um, and you know. In the past, we've had, you know, literally roving bands of surveyors that walked across the country, east to west, north to south, you know, bringing their families with them. You know, they would work in the north when, you know, during the summertime and move everybody down south uh, during the winter. Uh, and they, you know, it was they were collecting the highest quality data um, that, you know, that 
we could at the time based on the technology and the techniques that were available. Um, and so, you know, there are mountains of data that we've that we have and we've collected, um, you know, using that technology. Um, however, you know, technology has improved, right? And mm -hmm. you know, the frames that we have right now um, are kind of a mixture, but they're they're primarily based on a lot of that old data, right? And so, for example, NAVD88. That's NAVD88 is was a massive undertaking, right? It was 2.2 million kilometers of leveling across about 800,000 benchmarks all the way across the country, right? But that leveling data that we used to create NAVD88 had been collected over the previous 80 plus years and all adjusted together. So, you know, as we know now, the Earth's a dynamic place and things mm -hmm. moved over those 80 years. So when we adjusted all of that stuff together, while it was the best data we had at the time, it introduced some, you know, what are now biases and tilts into, into the, the, the reference frame, um, just as a function of the, the age of the data and how things moved uh, in the time over the, you know, the time period we collected that data. Um, you know, so that's, to me, that's fascinating to think of those, those roving bands of surveyors out there, you know, with their families collecting this data for generations. Exactly. And that's what I, it, and it's not a great simile, but what I, the way I also explain it to people is we know so much more now about the data, now that we've got GNSS technology versus what we knew then. I mean, I just, it's almost like the medical field. There was a time when doctors thought, uh, leeches were a good thing so i think it's it, you know it's what we knew then versus what we know now and that's that's part that's part of the beauty of the technology and the work you're doing at ngs to bring this all together now especially with the datum changes um yeah how is the gps on benchmarks going i mean how, every time i look at that website it just blows my mind of that like you just said all of this the the information we did for any vd88 all of the existing benchmarks that really still need a little bit of attention uh, out there, but it looks like we're making some progress. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, what I, you know, GPS on benchmarks is really about crowdsourcing data collection um, so that, you know, NGS can make the models and tools that we do at the national scale uh, for, you know, for people that use them locally. And, you know, just as a function of how things have changed over time, we, you know, we honestly, we don't have those roving bands of surveyors anymore. We are not funded to uh, to do that kind of massive data collection anymore. And um, because of the advent of GPS, we don't really need to because we can get, you know, more accurate information in less time using the modern tools of GPS um, and, you know, satellite-based uh, satellite based geodesy and gravity models, right? It's that combination of the ellipsoid heights from GPS with the gravity model from, from the geoid, which will give you uh, a height that will tell you which way water flows. And that's the revolution, right? That's why this is a modernized system, not based on those hundreds of years of, uh, of data collection, but based on new modern technology that allows us to do things faster and more accurately. So GPS on benchmarks is going great because people love that idea, right? People love you know, being able to contribute to uh, a bigger effort and, you know, what we've done with GPS on benchmarks is make make it accessible to people, helping people to help us so that we can help them with better tools and models. Right. Exactly. I always have, we have a, a, 
we have a mission to create national scale models and tools. And GPS and benchmarks is an opportunity that we're providing for people across the country to give us the data in the areas where they work so that we can use that data and improve the quality of our models and tools in the areas where they work. So it's, it's a direct relationship where, you know, the data you're giving us is improving the models that you guys use every day, um, you know, from our products. So from that standpoint, it's going great. People are really responding well, and we're getting, now it's not evenly distributed across the country, but we're definitely getting, you know, lots of good data in, in, in many places. That's, that's great. Well, and it, and, I guess just a small tangent here because there's been such a push with technology and the amount of spatial data that we're able to collect now and the idea of creating so many uh, examples of digital twins that uh, really based upon this framework that NGS is laying out with all this data, all of these digital twins that are being built, whether it's city, county, region, statewide, whatever, all based upon this framework is all going to work together because of the the amount of information and the and the relationships that we're having based upon NGS's work. Yeah, you know that's that's really what the the National Spatial Reference System is all about, right? Providing that geospatial infrastructure upon which all of our other geospatial information can be related um, and and can be used together uh, effectively. Um, so that's you know. That's kind of, it's the underpinning of all of this other uh, geospatial information. We like to call it the, the infrastructure of infrastructure. And, you know, nobody really sees it until there's, you know, until there's something wrong. Um, but, you know, it's building that, uh, that framework that, you know, that people can use to make things line up the way that they need to, uh, to make things like flood maps, for example. Absolutely. And that's... Um without going into the down the rabbit hole of whether or not climate change exists. I mean, bottom line is things are changing. Like, and, and even if it's just simple as, you know, the plate tectonics that are going on, things are changing. Water's now going in places that hadn't flowed before. And uh, yeah, it's having that accurate modeling. So uh, I applaud NGS for, for just continuing to push forward on gathering this data. Um, Something I do want to actually also ask a little shout out to NGS. Um, I hadn't been on the homepage in, in for a little while. Um, the revamp of the NGS homepage is fantastic. All of the tools that you need to know are, are right up front. Uh, it's It was good to start with, but it looked a little more technical before. Now it's just, it's a, it's a fantastic look. So please pass kudos on to onto the programmers of making that web page just really pop. I certainly will. I'll tell you, that's, that's definitely been a labor of love over the past few years. Um, you know, most of our visitors are, you know, surveyors and, and, and engineers and, and GIS people, but we do have a whole, a whole range from researchers to even just the general public to students coming on the page. Um, so we, we now do, we have both. If you see there, you can, uh, you know, there's a tab you can click for new time, you know, first time visitors to give you a broad overview. Uh, and then there's, you know, other, another tab you can click that gives, you know, direct links to a lot of the things that, um, you know, the, the, the frequent users can get to. Um, we are really glad to see. Uh, and we even now have a carousel up top that has uh, images that rotate that we can change. Yeah, that's nice. It is. It, it, it you know, and you, you, 
you know, unfortunately, there's this this vision of, okay, government agency, it's stuffy, it's technical, it's direct, it's whatever. No, this is, uh, yeah, I, all that, all so much good information there before, but yes, the 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 brains behind the scenes that have made this thing really look great uh, need to be applauded as well. So kudos to them. I'll pass it along for sure. Will do. Um, something I think we've kind of we I've teased along uh, the last several weeks. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming up with NGS and Opus. Can you share a few of those things that are coming down the pipeline? Because I'll be honest with you. I, I reside in a major metropolitan area. And for going on the better part of 20 years, uh, I walk out the door with my equipment. I log on to a reference network and I go. Um, I realize this is a big country and we there are people that rely on Opus for so many things. And that's that's just that's one functionality that NGS just keeps expanding and growing and and making more functional and useful. Can you tell us about some of the stuff that's going on with Opus these days? Absolutely. So Opus, our online positioning user service, uh, is the tool um, that's really going to be the focus of the modernized system and and how people uh, are going to continue to process their data uh, with NGS. You know, right now and for the past bunch of years, you can upload a Rhinex file from your GPS observations. Um, you know, give us your antenna height and an antenna model for the receivers that you used. Um, or tell us which receiver you used and we'll pick the right antenna model. Give us your email address and hit, you know, process and we'll send you back a coordinate with, um, you know, a, a, an improved coordinate that's been processed based on the surrounding cores data um, and give you a position within a, within a few centimeters. Um, that's been that's the flavor of Opus that's been around since for, for a bunch of years now. Uh, back in 2007, we allowed people to share their Opus solutions. So you could go out, collect your data and share it. We have your name on it, your picture, uh, the picture that you took of your observations uh, and you know the information that NGS uh, produced based on the data that you, that you provided. Um, it's been a way for you know uh, to share their work. Um, we also several years ago introduced what's called Opus Projects, which allows you to take multiple GPS observations uh, and load them into the system together. You know, repeat observations on uh, on individual marks and you know multiple marks that are observed together at the same time. Uh, and processes all of those together it turns them into sessions where you know the where different, you know specific marks were observed simultaneously each of those sessions gets processed together uh, and eventually they all get adjusted together to give you um, you know the best coordinates that you can get based on you know the data that, that you collected um, you know that information for you know for years that that allowed you to squeeze out as much accuracy as you could you could right get get rid of as many of those errors as you could um, based on a lot of other models that are that are put in there um, and so opus projects really allowed you to do that um, that network adjustment right um, that was a separate process for a long time from the historical method of giving data to ngs which was called blue booking right um if you know dave doyle and you know have heard him talk about it you know Blue booking has been described as a sharp stick in the eye for years. Uh, yes. You know, 
it, it was done so for a bunch of reasons, right? Blue booking was the way. Um, well, first of all, we just celebrated 40 years of blue booking, right? Mm-hmm. You know, book was like 1980. Uh, and really, that was the, the, the data formats that we required people to, you know, people, particularly state agencies, to give us data so that we could QA, QC it and make sure it's right um, and make sure it's traceable and consistent. Um, and so blue booking was a very in, uh, um, intensive process. You had to really know what you were doing. You had to really know lots of um, what now arcane uh, file formats and data rules that were really developed when, you know, space, you know, storage based computers was at a premium, was very, very um, expensive. Um, and, you know, computing power was really low. Um, now, just now, we have combined Opus projects with the blue booking process. And what that means is you can now use uh, Opus projects to process your data, and it will walk you through all of those blue booking steps and produce the, those files, the B files and the G files that you need to submit to, to NGS to blue book your project. So we're really kind of connecting the old processes and the new processes right now. Um, and so that's the first big, um, the first big step that, that's happening actually as we speak. Um, Opus projects, our beta version, right? We Beta version means we publicly released a product for beta testing. Right. We reserve the right to change it and we, it's not the official product, um, but it, it gives us to get it out there for testing. Opus projects that allowed you to blue book has been out on beta for years, uh, for about two, two and a half years. Um, and it is now going to be moved to the official production version. Uh, and that's because we've done some really uh, we've got a team um, led by Dr. Philippe Hensel that produced a whole bunch of training material, a brand new manual for how to blue book through Opus projects um, and some training materials coming out uh, with that as well. So that's the first major step with Opus Opus projects is being able to blue book through it. And what's coming up next is really exciting. You mentioned being able to go outside and you know connect to your RTN and off you go. The next version of Opus project, which is going to be put on beta within the next month, will allow you to upload your RTK or RTN vectors. Uh, it's going to be called Opus Projects 5.0. Um, we just, blue booking version is Opus, Opus Projects 4.0, uh, and that's going to production. Coming up right behind it, going to beta, is Opus Projects 5.0, which will allow you to also include vectors from RTK and RTN that you upload. In order to do that, we have, we've developed a new file format for vectors called GVX, uh, and that's a vector exchange file format. Um, And we've developed that, we've released that first version, and we're in the process of working with the the manufacturers um, to get them to produce converters so that you can export from your, um, you know, whatever color box you're using, you can export uh, to uh, a GVX file, you can up you know, export those vectors from your RTK points to GVX, uh, and then upload those into Opus projects. Uh, and those can be blue booked as well. So that's something I've been waiting for for a long time because I'm really hopeful that's going to really encourage uh, a bunch of people to start you know, collecting data and submitting it for GPS on benchmarks, right? That takes, um, you know, for, for an Opus static, you know, static Opus observation, we need at least four hours of data. Um, there's a bunch of reasons for that, um, but through RTK and RTN, you can do 
um, we recommend at least two or you know three to five five minute observations. Um, and there's going to be new guidelines. Uh, there are new guidelines that have come out. They're coming out with that to give you real you know specifics on what you need to do depending on the accuracy that you're trying to get to. Uh, but that's um, Opus Projects um, is 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 going to be the front end of everything that all the data that we're going to um, be able to ingest in the future. So in the future, you'll be able to also submit uh, leveling data or total station data or gravity data and adjust that all together. Those are a little bit better off in the future. Uh, next one that's coming down the pike is multi-GNSS. We're getting really close. And that means that we've we are revamping the processing engine within Opus, which is called Pages, um, and we've developed. You know, the, uh, we've got a great team that's working to be able to, you know, understand, you know, and receive and understand the the, the different signals that are coming from the different satellite constellations, use them uh, in 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 the processing. Um, so multi NFS is coming soon and that should that'll come hopefully that'll be opus projects 5.1 we'll we'll see very good well for those that are out there saying that the that the uh, you know government agencies are sit around deadbeat do nothings um i challenge you to 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 to, to uh say that about the, this group of people at ngs like i said i've uh, i've gotten to know several over the years and you all are some of the hardest working people. I mean, geospatial people I know, period. So uh, this is a lot of great stuff coming down the line. Um, I guess for – I can't believe how quickly time goes, but um, can you give us from your perspective, where, are we, where do we stand with the, uh, with the 2022 datum upgrades? Where, where are we at in the process with those? We know we've been – when pushed off just a little bit because of the the still trying to collect all the gravity data where, where do we stand with all of this so we released a delay message this past year about the modernization the, the release of the modernized spatial reference system and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that um you know one of the big ones is just let's just say 2020 um but before that, we've had, you know, the, the, the long pole in the tent is the collection of the gravity data, the GravD program, right? Gravity for the redefinition of the American vertical datum. And we've had um, planes in the sky for, for the past decade collecting airborne gravity data. And that airborne gravity data is being, uh, is being put together with uh, terrestrial gravity data and satellite-based gravity data um, in order to create this new geoid model. That'll be called Geoid 2022. And actually, that we've been releasing every few years, we've been releasing what we call the experimental geoid models or X-geoids. And those um, those are X, those models are purely gravimetric, right? They're just the gravity signal, um, which is which is the foundation for the modernized frame. I, I, I go into that detail because the collection of that gravity data has been challenging let's say because we're not we're not just responsible for conus uh and alaska but all all the outlying uh territories right guam american samoa um C cnmi commonwealth for northern marianas islands um so getting out there and collecting that data in those far-flung places uh has has been a challenge particularly when 
you know, sometimes the government shuts down and we have to call the planes back from wherever they were, uh, which took two years to plan to get them to those places. So, um, you know, so there's a reason we're behind with the gravity collection, but once that gravity collection uh, is done, we should be able to turn the crank relatively relatively quickly uh, to do it. So we're looking, we haven't set another specific date for the release of the system, um, but it's probably going to be a, a, at least a couple of years. Um, and there's some great information out there. Uh, Dr. Drew Smith is our uh, NSRS modernization manager. Uh, he just gave uh, an update, a, a two-hour webinar um, that's now available as a recorded webinar um, on our site about the modernized system and kind of all of the different pieces that are that, that need to fit together to actually release the system. Um, so while I can't give you a specific date, I can I can tell you um, that things are coming together pretty well and you know we're we're working hard to, to keep going and, and get this out there, particularly because it's really going to be beneficial for people um, to use the new system when it comes out. You bet. Well, and uh, I guess what drove it the point home for me and, and how dedicated this, not just your team, but the whole department is, um, those listeners, I mean, go back and listen to just my past episode 70 with Juliana Blackwell, the director. I mean, her statement was, was pretty distinct in backing this this whole effort was, it will be released when it's right, and uh, that's that to me is is an important key to, and uh, an important attitude is that not just going to say oh it's close enough let's just ship it out, um, and I guess that's what that's the also the nice thing that uh, Juliana helped lay out was, it, and you just touched on it. It's not just a a, a continental thing. I mean, you, you're you're talking we're worldwide. And this thing has to agree with the other terrestrial reference frames and, and, and talking to our uh, our foreign neighbors and, and working out all these details. So um, once again, kudos to the entire department for uh, an incredible effort on putting this together, because I, I don't think people really realize how much is going into this. Um, <laughs> and uh, so when somebody, you know, when when people will say, oh, well, they said 2022, but now it's been pushed off. You have no idea until you until you peel back a few of the layers of the onion, and uh, um, so to, to hear to hear the you know the really good reasons why you know it, making it right. And like I said I applaud NGS for for going taking that tact. Bottom line, excellent. You know what what's what we what we really uh, think about is that the products that we use are the authoritative models and tools, the authoritative data um, for particularly for federal agencies to use. Um, but, you know, it is the it's the authoritative data. So we do have to do it right. And that's why, you know, blue booking was a sharp stick in the eye, because we had to make sure it was right. Um, but we now have the tools and technology to do it more efficiently. But there are there's a lot to it. But the really good news here is that there are literally billions of dollars of benefits that are awaiting us as a nation when we are when when this is released and we're able to start using it. You know, one of the things that NGS has did you know several years ago, which I think is really important, is committed to a series of socioeconomic benefit studies. Right? We're not just going to say we're going to build it because you know we're the scientists and we think it's the right thing to do. No, there is value to the nation. There is a multiplier effect in terms of the benefit to the nation 
that you know this country is investing in building this modern geospatial infrastructure. So I'd encourage you to check out our, it's called Scaling the Heights. It's about the, the, the benefits of the gravity program and the new reference frames. Uh, but there's literally billions of dollars in, in benefits to be derived from increased accuracy, faster access to the spatial reference system, right? Which then cascades into their products that rely on information about which way water flows. For example, flood maps, right? There are all of these things that will get better by using this modernized system. Um, and if you, you know, and one of the big things there is also early adopters are gonna benefit more. And so this, this added time in this delay just gives everybody more time to prepare for, uh, for using it and, you know, Hitting, you know, coming out of the gate strong when it is released, so that you can start accumulating those benefits, you know, right away. Um, you bet. No, and that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, and I tell you what. Um, yes, this is this is going to be an ongoing conversation because what I would like to invite you back and uh, back to talk about shortly is exactly that. As we start moving forward, um, a really maybe a little more specifics on how important it is to to uh, adopt what we're doing going forward as far as the new datums, because I think there's a lot of practitioners out there that are going, you know what, I'm just going to stick with my state plane. I'm just going to stick with my county coordinates. I'm not worried about anything else. It is a big deal to make sure that we, we make this movement to the new datum. You can help us ex uh, by under understanding how to, to do some of that. Um, and some of the tools that are going to be available for the practitioner to move from their NAD 27, <laughs> you know, some of their Army Corps projects up to the, the, the new stuff or what have you. Um, let's talk about some of that stuff. So uh, if you're willing, I'd love to have you back on to and continue this conversation about how this all what this means for the everyday practitioner as well. Tim, I'm glad to do it, and I look forward to talking to you more about it. All right. Well, I tell you what, that uh, I think if, if we're ever going to have a, a, a kickoff series, uh, this this was a good one because, hey, we got GPS on benchmarks. That's going full full guns, and keep going on that. They're, and we're, that's going through the end of the year is what they're pushing for that? Yeah, the cutoff date for the G, for, to submit data to GPS on benchmarks that will be used to create the transformation tool is the end of this year, December 31st, 2021. Of course, we'll still be doing that afterwards because the whole idea is moving to using GPS. Um, but yeah, between now and December 31st, if you collect that GPS data and get it to us, we will put it in the, the reference epic coordinate adjustment. So you'll get new 2020.0 coordinates um, when the modern frames are released. And that data will be used to create the transformation between the old frames and the new frames. Very good. And this is being released during National Surveyors Week. So if you hear this and think about it, and it doesn't have to be collected during National Surveyors Week, but it's just a good kickoff, go out there and chase some of these benchmarks down. Go to the end. Well, that's, guess that's also my pitch is go to the NGS website, see the revamp, see all of the great webinars that are available on there. Check out the GPS on benchmarks tools. Find out where those benchmarks are close to you to go and do the observations and be part of the part of the solution. Um, and uh, yeah, I, like I said, uh, and and I, I'm really anticipating the the, the the cool stuff that's coming around the corner for Opus. So thank you for sharing that information as well. So um, 
yes, we will be back in touch very soon. Like I said, Galen will come back to tell us about how all this stuff affects us in our daily surveying lives. So uh, this has been Tim Bursch with Galen Scott with NGS, and uh, we'll see you again next time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.